but I went to confession one time and this Hispanic uh, confessor, he says, we Hispanics have a saying, do not become a street lamp in only for your house to go dark. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's what can happen mm -hmm. if I'm out there, but not in there. Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite, and I'm joined here in studio with my good friend and brother in Christ, Brad Pierron. Yes, sir. Good to have you. Good to be and here. And Brad, we have uh, the man, the myth, the legend, a great missionary for the church, Devin Shod. Welcome, yes. welcome, welcome. The high fives are like a thing. Yeah. <laughs> you are way too hyper. I'm getting excited already. <laughs> I remember the first time we met Devin, uh, it was over a, a call, and when I got off the call, I was like, Man, that that guy and I are drinking the same Kool Aid. Like, I just feel like we were like in step with each yeah. other spiritually, th like theologically. Like, it was just a fun mm -hmm. conversation. I'm excited for this conversation yeah. today. You've got a heart that just loves the Lord with with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And mm -hmm. so, it's going to be an incredible show. If you're jo joining us for the first time, Beyond Damascus is all about allowing that Damascus moment, that encounter with Jesus Christ, to to flow into, to overflow into mission, right? Like St. Paul, as he encountered Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, he didn't just stop there. It wasn't like, hey, I got me and Jesus now, and I can <laughs> sip my coffee and write in my prayer journal. Everything's good for my comfort kingdom. But instead, that encounter with Jesus led him into mm -hmm. a life mm -hmm. of mission. And as we'll discover on this episode and all of our episodes, that mission looks unique and different mm -hmm. for everyone. But the key is that we are called to a life of mission that flows forth from this daily encounter with Jesus Christ. And that encounter starts in prayer, which is really exciting. Brad, do you want to open us in prayer? I can, yeah. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Lord, thank you so much for the gift of this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come here and to discuss what it means to be a missionary for your glory. We pray, Lord, that all the words that we would speak today would be from you, that we could wrestle with concepts that would bless the church and that would further her in her pursuit of you. So, Lord, thank you um, for the gift of Devin and for the gift of his ministry. Thank you for the gift of masculinity and all the plans you have to use that as part of the mm -hmm. church. Um, Lord, we love you. We praise you. And it's in your mighty name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Okay, so we had a missionary prayer together this morning, which was pretty fun. And one of our missionaries, Anthony, was she shared that word um, uh, that uh, to, to live by faith, not by sight. And he gave this cool imagery of stepping um, if, if Jesus asked us to step off of a cliff, like, right. Yeah. Like, what is it that it, we parents always ask their kids? Well, if so-and-so asked you to jump off a cliff, would you do it? And he's like, well, if Jesus asked us to jump off a cliff, would we do it? <laughs> and the answer probably should be yes, because it's Jesus. And, and so I did a personal activation during prayer where I was like, okay, I'm just going to like, uh, step off the cliff and just like <laughs> give my life in abandonment to the Lord. And it was wild because prayer, like the morning, like, you know, sometimes you enter into prayer and there's a lot of emotions and other times you, you enter into prayer. There's not a lot of emotions, and there wasn't many emotions this morning. And uh, but after I did that activation, I stepped forward, and it was like the yeah. Holy Spirit like fell on me, and I was like as if like I was like you know like resting, like getting taken out in the spirit. But it was like mm -hmm. I felt literally my body felt like it was like whoosh, like just falling yeah. down the cliff. And I think that's the spiritual adventure that we get to live as Catholics. Devin, it was your first time joining us as a missionary body this morning for prayer. Uh, I gotta ask, what what do you think of the morning? Fantastic. Yeah. Spirit-filled uh, young men, young women, loving the Lord, 
high power, mm-hmm. high energy. Mm-hmm. But I love that too, you know, and I think I was in a different place, like while he was saying that and while we were praising the Lord, um, I just rested because this jumping off mm. the cliff where I want to land is in the Father's arms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. where I have the most strength is in his embrace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, about, uh, if my faith is reason and I'm at the top of the building, it's burning down, I know mm. I've got to jump, right? But reason has to turn into faith where I'm jumping into the rescue worker's arms, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's God. He wants us to jump into his arms because, yeah. frankly, if we're not dependent on him, we can do nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Brad, what was the Lord speaking to you this morning? Man, so much. I actually was really blessed by the exact same analogy. I, I think I was um, taken into how complicated we can make things sometimes when it's actually really simple. That that sometimes in the name of like wanting to follow Jesus, I come up with all of these, um, I don't know, equations that I want to solve or I, I, all these problems that I want to solve. And the real question day to day is, am I saying yes to him today? Am I saying yes to Jesus today? Am I following him today? Have I listened to him today? Is he the one that's leading my life today? If those answers are yes, then all the other complicated matters, again, not that we don't tend to those, but they all become much more minuscule, you know? Like like what really matters day in and day out is, am, am I submitting my life to the Lord? And in that abandonment is adventure. And I, I know that we're going to get into this when we talk um, a little bit about fatherhood, masculinity, all that stuff today. But like, what else would you want in life besides adventure? Do you want to be bored? Mm-hmm. Like, what if I told you, you know, it's that idea of like the book of your life. Um, and I, I think this will be where I cap it. But I was thinking actually, as Anthony was saying that of like the idea that like, I don't want to know yeah. what I don't know sometimes. That like, if someone was to give me a book of my life and we're like, were to tell me that it's all written in there and you can read as much of it as you want. You can go all the way to the end. I don't think I'd flip it past the page of today. Yeah. Maybe I might like flirt with a couple additional pages, but I don't want to know. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. there's something about adventure. Yeah. No like, spoiler made, alerts in the kingdom of God. I don't God. think so. Well, we're, well, well, yeah. I mean, besides the one at the very end, like, yeah, hopefully I end Jesus up Christ in the victory. Yeah. Hopefully I end up in the, 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 the uh, what the uh, litany of saints. But again, I, I think there's something to that, that I want to live life in the Lord. I want to live life saying yes to him and let the adventure come from that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. The um, So this is exciting today. We're going to talk just a, a, a little bit about, mm. um, Devin, how the Lord has worked in your life and how he's called you to a life of mission and particularly the mission that's on your heart in the, the uh, I mentioned the co- in the car, but just that you, you're like, I feel like you're a prophet to the masculine church, right? Or the uh, um, a prophet to the church today to, to remind us of who we're called to be as men and as fathers. And so mm-hmm. why don't, before we get into the, the word that you have for the church and the w- word the Lord's put on your heart for the church, why don't we get into like, how did you encounter Jesus? And mm-hmm. what was that? Uh, when was it? What happened? Yeah. And, and how did you ultimately make Jesus Lord of your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Uh, so as a young guy, deeply wounded, um, I had a terrible relationship with my mom. My dad was, they're both of them great people, terrible relationship with my mom. Dad was busy working, so really not connected with him. And out of that grew some severe wounds. Then I was beat up a lot as a kid. I had Huge buck teeth that you could eat corn through a picket fence. You know, yeah, was, Brad always yeah. beat kids up yeah. too. Jeez, he's was, that bully. I was just the kid who's no. always picked on. The kid <laughs> who didn't know me fat, when I was a kid. <laughs> so, so out of that, like, and then I think also we weren't really even middle class. We always had less, um, and so 
out of that grew like self-reliance and, you mm -hmm. know, self-reliance mm -hmm. can lead to self-hatred mm -hmm. as Monsignor Esif says. So when we are relying mm -hmm. on ourselves and we do good, we say, oh, it's God. Yep. But mm -hmm. we're patting ourselves mm -hmm. in the back. But mm -hmm. when we do bad, then we hate ourselves. We say, mm -hmm. oh, that's me. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's proof of self-reliance is when we're down on ourselves when we yeah. don't do well. Mm. Well, so self-reliance led to self-hatred. I ended up becoming a thief, um, pretty much good professional thief, um, um, womanizer, partier. I got into a lot of different things to try to fill that woundedness. Mm -hmm. And then... But I don't think I've ever met a professional thief. Yeah, this is where I was, I was pretty good, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, like where I just did it pretty consistently, and mm -hmm. and uh, um, yeah, I just it was sad. I mean, yeah. I worked for an employer where I, uh, yeah, embezzled a lot of money. Yeah, um, but what was beautiful after my conversion, I should, I should I'll just throw this in now because I probably won't get to it. I wrote her a check anonymously, signing it as cashier's checks for the money that I stole, signing Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah, and Thank so you, Jesus. tried to make restitution for that, but. Along the way, though, um, I hit. I was about 24 years old. I was in art school. I hit rock bottom. I was ready to commit suicide. A hmm. gal that I dated for seven years on and off, only person that really loved me, could stand me, uh, mm -hmm. had had it with me because I was just mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to shoot hoops at this parking lot by a Catholic church, St. Edward's Catholic Church in Waterloo. Hadn't been in a Catholic church in years, right? Mm -hmm. And the ball caromed off the rim because I wasn't the greatest shot. And I, <laughs> I chased after the ball. And when I grabbed it, I'm looking over the ball and I'm looking at this Catholic church and I think, huh, I haven't been in church in years. Mm. So that was back in the day when churches were open. Yeah. yeah. So you actually right, right, left right. them unlocked yeah. so you could yeah. visit them. <laughs> yeah. So I walk in and, and I, I can't describe it other than an act of grace. I got halfway up the aisle. It was dark. Nobody's in there. And what felt like just a good holy pressure came crashing down mm. and drove me to my knees. And I'm a very worldly guy at this point, and I'm not going to cry. You know, I'm not going to yeah, break yeah. down. And I'm breaking down. And I and I I remember emitting like a prayer, like "You've got to help me. I've driven this thing called life into the ditch, and I'm mm. tired of driving. You've got to take over, whoever you are." And then just at that moment this glorious music kicks on, right? In the church, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> the angel just came. <laughs> this is God. Yes, yes. And I, I look back and up in the balcony is just like this old 90-year-old lady <laughs> yeah, decided to play is. the organ. Bless the Lord for those 90-year-old <laughs> ladies so that show I, I up. I sheepishly crawl into the pew and then continue to just pour out myself uh, to God, just begging him to come into my life. And wow. So then after hmm. that, what transpired was I went back to my hometown, uh, sought out this Catholic priest that I knew, had my, what I call my first confession, and literally when he was absolving me of my sins, you hear this a lot, this incredible weight just came right off of me. I said, mm -hmm. wait, 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 right in the middle of absolution, and he's yeah. like, what? And I'm like, something just happens, this, wow. this weight came off, he goes, that's Christ taking your sins upon himself. Yeah. Yeah. And Christ delivering you from some demons. I'm still fighting those. Uh, <laughs> so I went back to Waterloo, went to St. Edward's Church, where I had that conversion experience and received what I thought was my, my first Holy Communion. And um, that was also a really mystical experience. Wait, explain. How's it your first Holy well, Communion? Well, I received Holy Communion when I was seven years old. Okay, yeah. But I really didn't know what the heck receiving that was Receiving in about. faith. But right now, yeah, I'm yeah, receiving yep. Jesus for real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so I receive him, and boom, I could feel this burning in my chest. And before I could even get around the corner, I was weeping before I could get back into my pew. And I knew that this God that I turned mm. over my life to was real. Wow. And so that was the beginning. 
And there were some circumstances before that that really led me to that experience. But um, that's it wow. in a nutshell. I, I, yeah. like, I, I call these praise breaks, right? I just want to say yes. thank you, Jesus. Thank, thank you, Jesus. you for what you did yeah. in Devin's life. And I love that you described Devin as as you're walking into the church. You you said like this uh, heavy pressure fell upon you, yeah. right? Like yeah. we, we like to call him Holy Spirit. But I love that. The, it's like as if you, you, as you entered into the house of God, you became the house of God that the Holy Spirit yeah. was like, you're not so far that I'm not going to fall on you. And the, the, the Holy Spirit like was re-enkindled in your life as we entered into his presence. And I think that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so important for anyone watching to remember, like no matter how far away we are, right. That when we return into the house of God, we, we discover that we are the house of God and the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is, is pleased to dwell in us. And, and that's what that the spirit of conversion fell upon you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as St. Therese says, she says, I like to go to the lowest place because that's where Jesus is at. Yeah. So, wa- so, like the water, so the, the living water, the Holy Spirit always goes, yeah, water goes, goes to the lowest, lowest place. place. The word condescends, he drops, he goes down to the mm-hmm. lowest spot in order to lift us up. And so whoever's in their deepest you know, darkest mm-hmm, scenario, mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. their woundedness is, whatever sinful situation they're in, mm-hmm. God's there. Yeah. yeah. And he actually wants us to go there. He wants us to revisit the wound. He wants mm-hmm. us to go there so that he can show that he's mm-hmm. enough. He's sufficient. Yeah. And there, there's also within your testimony, just like the, the two primary ways that I think we find at Damascus and I've seen over my life that the Lord works for conversion, which is through power and peace, right? That, yeah. that he's, He's the prince of power, and he's the prince of peace. And when you when you came to him in faith in that middle aisle, the power of the Lord was there. And it's you can't really describe it, right? Like so no, many no. that are listening today, I'm sure, have that, that exact type of story where it's like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, yeah, like a holy weight or like a just... I don't know. Like, yeah, well, that's like what I was getting, like trying to describe when, yes. I, when I took that step off the that's cliff. That's right. No, no, like, you're right. You're right. Whoosh. Sorry. Yeah, yeah I like, forgot the Holy that you Spirit mentioned that. comes yeah. in that power. Exactly. And, but the, then also the releasing that happened yeah. in confession, the peace. Like, And sometimes I think that if we've had a conversion to the Lord that's been predominantly rooted in peace, we'll question power. Or if it's happened in power, we'll question peace. Yeah. But God works in both. And yeah. they're, they're both so powerful because the peace restores the part of us that's gotten wrapped up in the busyness, right? And the power restores that part of us that feels inadequate. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. like, I'm not enough mm-hmm. and I know it. But when I feel that, well, this is enough. Though, yeah. You know? Yeah. I just actually want to take a pause because I think the Lord just wants to bless some people right now. Um, if you're, if you feel there's a lot on you and you mm-hmm. want something lifted off, I think the Lord just wants to deliver you right now. So Jesus, we just turn to you and we just pray in the name of Jesus, freedom mm-hmm. and healing right now that anything that's weighing people down to that anxiety, that depression, that brokenness, that self-hatred would just be lifted off of them mm-hmm. right now, Jesus, mm-hmm. and that the Prince of Peace would fall upon them. Mm-hmm. And Lord, I pray as, as Devin was sharing his stories, we were talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit into our bodies to make us living temples. If there was someone who was just crying out, I just picture someone, as, specifically a, a mother who was, was like, man, I want to experience that, but you haven't experienced it yet. I just invite you to get on your knees right now. And Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would come, come, mm-hmm. come Holy Spirit, come in power, come in power and fill yeah, we also want to pray for anyone who's feeling like they're floating through life mm-hmm. aimless, that the power of the Lord can anchor. And so, mm-hmm. Lord, we pray that you would you would anchor people into the words that will be spoken during this podcast today, and that that, that would be a conduit for your power to flow, that we, mm-hmm. could, we could be anchored, Lord, in your truth and in your goodness. Yeah. In Jesus' Amen. name.
Thank you. Amen. All right, Kevin. I mean, Kevin. I'm sorry. Devin. You know uh, who I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what if we just started? What if, what if We're we good just, friends, guys. I know, this is actually I funny. Two hours. <laughs> two hours. What, if, what if we just changed each other's name throughout the podcast? Just like oh, regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Just started uh, calling whatever. Great uh, idea, yes. John. Uh, yes. Let's uh, keep going. Thanks, actually, Bernie. Actually, that is your real name. Yes, it actually. Yeah, your first yeah. name is John. So now Bradley. it's ruined. Okay. So now, as everyone knows, this, this is, is actually John really Bradley. Yeah, yeah. So not Kevin, but Devin. Yeah, actually. The reason I was thinking that was because I, I interviewed just recently Dr. Kevin uh, Vost, and he had a conversion from atheism in 2004, and he wrote his first Catholic book like in 2004. So whoa. from conversion to apostolic mission right away. And it was wow. kind of like, whoa, that's nuts. So I was like, <laughs> as you were Indian prayer, I was thinking like, uh, I was going to make the joke. Oh, just like Kevin, you probably wrote your book <laughs> like right away uh, because you've produced some incredible content for the, mm-hmm. for the church from the Lord. And, uh, and we'll get into that, some of the content you've built, but how did you get to the place from, okay, post-conversion, now you're a father of five, right? And yeah. and you're you're ministering uh, in the church, I, I think as a prophet, as a teacher, just bringing wisdom. How, how did you go from this conversion moment to a life of mission? Yeah, so I got married, um, not probably for altruistic reasons, but I really did love her. But, yeah. um, you mm-hmm. know, we started having children, started growing a family, and my third daughter, Anna Marie, was born at 28 weeks premature. So wow, twenty eight um, weeks. Twenty eight weeks. That's so she was substantial. Small. Like yeah. I mean, like her leg was like the size of my index finger. Wow, so super wow. small. Yeah. And um, so she spent a month in a needle intensive care unit, and mm-hmm. then came back home, and within five days, she spiked a fever, and she was having trouble breathing. So we took her back to the hospital, but we had to admit her to the pediatric unit, and mm. they had in this hospital they had never, you know, taken care of a baby that small before. Yeah. Well, through nurse neglect. Um, she contracted RSV. And mm. so um, it's, an, it's a cold that attacks premature infants' lungs and can mm. kill them. Mm. Well, mm. there was nurse neglect, about 11 hours of apnea, and then if oh. she suffered a hypoxic event, now if oxygen was transmitted to her brain. So <clears throat> they flew her out, medevac team flew her out to a children's hospital two hours away. By that time, she suffered three clinical death experiences of permanent brain injury. And while I was there, um, I was reading, I, my, my mm. friend who was a doctor, he's like, you just got to grab some clothes. You got to grab a book to read because you're going to be in the hospital for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I just grabbed a book off a shelf and it was St. Therese's um, Story of a Soul. And I'm like, St. Therese. <laughs> I picked a girl's book <laughs> yeah. about roses. Oh, yeah. oh, Isn't this about thinking? little yeah. flowers or <laughs> yeah. something? Yeah, sugar-coated saint. And I met some of her fans one time. These women were coming out with uh, some roses coming into yeah. the church as I was leaving. And I was like, hey, what are you guys doing? Don't you know anything? It's St. Therese's feast day. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be St. Therese's fan. Yeah. Hey, I'm not in that club. You know? yeah. You're so, arrogant, yeah. man. Yeah. No, so, so I'm starting to read this book, and I'm watching the respirator you know, breathe from my daughter. She's coding out. The doctors are coming in, resuscitating her. And, and I get to this part where Therese refers to her papa as her king. Mm. And I'm like, I want that. You know. So I remember turning to Louis, you know, Louis Martin, and just saying, I want you to be my mentor. You know? wow. And then a lot of things transpired after that. But my wife, in the midst, I was in youth minister as a youth director. I was in the process of starting my own business. I was actually the lead art director for a, a company doing set design for Fox News and stuff. And I was just everywhere but at home. And so when my wife mm-hmm. saw Anna mm-hmm. Marie on life support and she did not look like Anna Marie anymore, you know, she's swollen on Lasix and everything. She started crying. She said, I just need you to come home and be a dad. I need you to come home and be a father and a husband. And that was like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, I thought mm-hmm. I was. Mm, and, yeah. and then I realized the difference. The difference was I was a placeholder. I was just kind of 
checking the box. Mm -hmm. And I was living my life for my own personal glory, doing this Fox News set, Joanna Lund's cooking show on PBS, trying to start my own business, youth director, big men on campus, all that. But I realized I'm not really doing my job. Mm -hmm. So then that led me into realizing that my primary vocation, that's where we get the vocation comes from that Latin word vox, which means voice. Mm -hmm. The voice of the Lord is through our vocation and the God's calling and mm -hmm. he was calling mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. to be a father on earth like the father in heaven, like mm -hmm. St. Joseph. Mm -hmm. And so it was a struggle because I really did not want to do that. I mean, my wife was like, mm -hmm. I need you to, and man, I'm like at home and I'm like trying to help out and I'm helping out with the kids and I don't even know what it means to be a father. I don't even mm -hmm. know what it really means to be a real husband. And mm -hmm. if it wasn't for encountering the theology mm -hmm. of the body early on, I would have been dead on the water mm -hmm. because I was a lustful man trapped inside my lust, loving my wife like the, as though she was an object, even though I did love her. Mm -hmm. um, and I just had no idea of self-giving love. And so it mm -hmm. was encountering mm -hmm. theology of the body during that time, going through all this chaos, I also had cancer, thought I was going to die, lose it all. And then on top of it, I lost my job. And, uh, and I had $90,000 worth of hospital bills and not mm. a dollar in my bank account, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so most people will like <laughs> reference like maybe one of those tragedies in your life, right? And you're just like, well, I got them all, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so that yeah. sounds... It's and I was like short, too. Joe <laughs> yeah, you're short. You got, <laughs> you're getting like, bullied. I got still. everything. <laughs> <laughs> I got fired from my job and then my balls punched Come me and on. gave me a swirly. <laughs> okay, sorry. And they gave me the wrong sandwich at the drive-thru yeah. and... Uh, I'll tell you what, it was really... Do you want my life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so if you've ever been like, have I met Job? Yes, we've met Job. Uh, I have a friend, actually. Jobina, yeah. the smaller form, yeah. <laughs> I have a uh, friend who named their, their son oh Job, and gosh. I was like, why'd you do that? <laughs> like a, you want him to be your patron oh saint? But I guess uh, it makes sense. Okay, so this is actually... I'm sorry, I'm laughing at your misfortune. <laughs> this is this is a pretty substantial moment in your life. I yeah. do think it's powerful, though, to, yeah. to just attest the fact that like and, and now you're saying it like smiling yeah. because there's something right there's something that obviously transcended that there's, right and i think like because i was even taken aback as i was listening to you not to let myself just fall in to follow the story so i can ask the follow-up question it's like those are real things that happen yeah and you lived through them and i'm sure at the time the first response wasn't like the goodness of god probably but now like just as you reflect and tell the story, I think it's just, it's a cool note and that there's, and this there's is, something to it. It's about 20 years ago, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that it's important that we realize that, um, and I'm going to talk about this tonight, but um, mm -hmm. that God wants to perfect us, okay? He doesn't just want us to live, like you were saying, these mm -hmm. comfortable lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, like mm -hmm. you look at Bilbo, right? Yeah. Bilbo, he wants to hang out in the Hobbit yeah, hole. The Hobbit hole, he, yeah. He likes his cheeses. He likes mm -hmm. his beer. I, I like my beer, too. I like my bourbon, right? Yeah. And I want to remain at home. But Bilbo, he's thrust out on the mission to take on the dragon. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's what we all have to do. And and I think that Jesus, you know, is, is pushed out. God's pushed out by God into mm -hmm. the desert. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But... It's precisely after God says, you are my beloved son, with you I'm well pleased. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. Jesus is like, he's teaching us. He's saying, yep. look, when you know that God is your father, and he is sufficient, mm -hmm. and when God says to you, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm, are mine, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm willing to be tested yep. because I know I can trust you that you want to perfect me. Mm -hmm. This isn't to punish me, mm -hmm. or if it is a punishment, it's only to perfect me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he, it's tested to be perfected. Mm -hmm. So all those things in my life, I look back and say, Test after test after test, 
he's only trying to perfect me. He's mm -hmm. a good father. Yeah. It's taken me a long time to get there. Mm -hmm. But I think this is the key. Like, you look at Romans 8. Paul is talking about, hey, we'll be co-inheritors co co with Christ of the kingdom, provided that we suffer with Christ. But he says, those who live by the Spirit do what? Duh. Call God... Father. Abba. Yeah. Abba. Hmm. And so this hmm. is a turning point for me in prayer, because I was like, Oh God, all yeah. divine, I submit to you. Yeah, oh yeah. Jesus, right, right, thou right, art right, perfect right, and holy. Right, right. And then finally, I got to this point where I'm like, no, Abba, I need yeah. a father. Yeah. I need you, and I'm crying out. And you notice Jesus in the garden, he is being tested. Mm -hmm, he mm -hmm, has mm -hmm. to go forward in his mission. This is run or remain time for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And what happens? He cries out, Abba, mm -hmm, Father. Mm -hmm. That is proof that you are a son of God. Yeah. It missed a test that you can still trust that God is your Abba, your father, your daddy. And actually in the Hebrew word, that Abba doesn't mean just daddy. It means this submission, this filial mm -hmm, submission mm -hmm, of tenderness mm -hmm. to the Father. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. amen. Yeah, I think there's an important note there of just like Jesus's mission, right? That, that Jesus, obviously he came to earth for so many reasons that we could talk about endlessly, but certainly one of them was to reveal the Father. That for the longest time, God was this. Well, isn't it funny that when we look at Scripture, what are the last words in the Old Testament? It's from it's from Micah, four hundred years before Jesus, and Micah says that the Lord is speaking that He's going to return fathers to their sons and sons back You're to their fathers. My language, yeah, right. And then what happens in the New Testament? First thing in the New Testament, Gospel of Matthew, genealogy. Mm -hmm. well, well, and not only revealing that, a, the first a fatherly. Time, first time God speaks in the New Testament through the angel Gabriel, through sure. Zechariah. Sure. He says, he will turn the hearts of fathers right. toward their children, the hearts of incredulous towards the yes. just. Yep. And this is cool because you think... Connecting it just, Micah. It just, yeah, it's a repeat. It's mm -hmm. almost mm -hmm. word for word yep. that this is the mission of the father. Mm -hmm. He wants to turn hearts of fathers toward their children. Mm -hmm. But get this, there's a little play there. Yes, toward Jesus Christ. Yes, toward the father, but the hearts of the doubting, the incredulous toward mm -hmm. the just. Who mm -hmm. is the just? Who is the just man? Jesus. St. Joseph. Mm, yeah, so he's the righteous man. Father, the just yes. man well, who raises the justice, the just one. Well, and that's the mystery of that, right? Is that Saint Joseph is 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 that insofar as he represents Jesus? It's the same reason yeah. the Immaculate Conception happened because Jesus died on the cross. Like like the grace that transcends from Jesus so the, that was the, living the in point, Joseph. The point is, is that God is revealing His mission of fatherhood in all of this. Mm -hmm. He's saying. Mm -hmm. The Father wants to reveal himself through the Son, and there's an intermediary in here, and guess who it is? Mm. This humble, hidden carpenter, St. Joseph, who will be the icon mm. of God the Father. I just feel like I should grab some popcorn and just sit back and listen to you two. This is but this is actually how, Sorry. This is how our lunch was. These two guys went back and no, forth no, like we no, all no, talking. Yeah. You were talking. But I, I'm like, this is this is so good. And I just I you know, um, <laughs> when when I hear the, when I hear the the name Father now, um, something happens inside of me, and uh, and I, I just I think the Lord, if you're listening, I think the Lord wants the name Father to be so precious in your heart, right? That like as you just like I, I feel like as you as you said you spoke Abba Father, Devin, just like Holy Spirit came upon at me, and I was just like, man, I just love him so much, and to be able to call him Dad, and to know that he's our Dad, even like. Even even in the the lowest moments, and even in in the mm -hmm. the areas of uncertainty that like he has made himself father. And, and you guys were talking really fast. I'm not sure if I followed all that theology, but I liked the where it was going, and it was really awesome. And we're gonna break that open, but just the the beauty of the simple fact that um, 
going back to your story, like the, what you went through and the brokenness in so many ways, it mm-hmm. ultimately led you to this deep, intimate relationship with the father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember, um, mm-hmm. a, a friend of mine paid for me to go on a trip to Medjugorje and I know it's a controversial place and all that, but, mm-hmm. um, while I was there, um, I remember, I, I think we we're in Dubrovnik and there was this, um, painting of the last supper and Judas was leaving. Mm-hmm. And I turned to my friend and I said, man, I think that's me. And here I've had my conversion yeah, in yeah. 1996. This is 2003 or two, you know, somewhere in there. What mm-hmm. the heck is wrong with me? Yeah. Why? Because I had a massive father mm-hmm. wound. And I want to speak to that because I think that most people in our culture have a massive father wound because the human father is meant to be the icon of God the Father, mm-hmm. the representative of godly authority in their life, of fatherly mm-hmm. love, tenderness, affection, approval. Mm-hmm. But many people mm-hmm. have this huge wound in their heart because their father wasn't that to them and did not transmit God the Father's love to mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And so the, the work that we have to do as a church is to get people around that, idea, that, that, mm-hmm. uh, that wound and say, no, there is one who wants to fill it. And how do we know? Because mm, Jesus, mm. as a representative father, says, this is how much I love you. Yeah. I'm willing to yeah. bleed out. Yep, yep. I am willing to pour myself out. And the fact is that I'm the son who says yes to the father's love so mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I will undergo what you were supposed to undergo mm-hmm. to have that relationship with him. Yeah. He so, wants to be our father. You know? Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. And it, well, the, the theology you were mentioning earlier, the reason I was wrestling is because I, I, I love... I love the story of St. Joseph, and, and it's, I've often reflected on St. Joseph in light of being entrusted with fathering Jesus on earth. And to what degree did Joseph teach Jesus, and to what degree did Jesus teach Joseph so that Joseph became the perfect father for us? Mm-hmm. Because I think Jesus came as the perfect representation of the Father. That, that's what it, I think at least one of his missions was I do nothing apart from what I see the Father doing. That's what Jesus said, that, that he's totally, totally dependent and obedient to the Father. St. Joseph fathers Jesus on earth, and as they walk together in that relationship between father and son, I, I'm sure he taught Jesus so many <laughs> things, right? Like how to build a table. Like they depict these things well sometimes in in like images in stained glass or even on like um, the chosen or like things like that. They'll depict Joseph teaching Jesus these things. But then Jesus representing the heavenly father perfectly is teaching St. Joseph how to be the model father for us, I think. And again, I, I would love your oh, yeah. feedback on that, because as you were saying that, like, who does the Lord mean by the just? I think you're right. I think he does it's mean both, Joseph. Yeah. Exactly. And in, in, in so far as all of us, like, as we look more like Christ, we reveal the Father more. That's the connection I'm trying to draw, is St. Joseph became an amazing model for us because he saw up close and personal the perfect revelation of the Father, mm-hmm. even in his imperfection, like, even in his... I, I, you know, like maybe his like ordinariness, I yeah. guess is what I'm trying to I, say. I think the key word here would be dependence. So huh. Joseph sees huh. God dependent on him, which makes Joseph even more dependent on God the Father. Huh. And so when, and you look at this with That's your own, profound. With That's your own really children, good. a big kind of epiphany for me was when I saw my children, how dependent they were upon me. And then it made me more dependent on God the Father to say, I got to come through for them, please. Yeah. And so you've got the greatest mission on earth, really, to raise the Son of God, right? 
And so Joseph, he is dependent. And in uh, that dependence, it's the second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 principle is that in my weakness, I am strong. strong. Why? Because I'm dependent on God. And when I'm dependent on God, he fills me with himself and then I'm powerful. You guys are great. So you're going to hate me because I think the power is in your testimony. And yeah. like this theology is incredible, right? But this this yeah. theology is actually, it's been lived and manifested in your life, Devin. And what our world is starving for yeah, is witnesses, right? Mm-hmm. Like the we've got, like we have great teachings. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the witness? Like what did you go through <laughs> in this moment of like, like you were broken and you were mm-hmm. in like things were falling apart and now you have... I, your your daughter is is um, she has all of these special needs that you have to care for in these last twenty years. What has the Lord done in your fatherhood to teach you who God the Father is? Yeah, well, um, gosh, I mean, really, it begins with a blessed mother. So, um, so when I had cancer, um, oh man, it's such a long story. I don't think we can even get into it. Yeah. But the bottom line is, is that I went through this ordeal where I really consecrated myself to her and trust myself to her. And then she was like, let me introduce you to St. Joseph. And so when I, in yeah. that process yep. of going back and, you know, my wife's saying, why don't you, I need you to go home. And, and that's what happened in Medjugorje. So I'm wrestling with this hiddenness, being this dad, being this husband, I don't know how to do it. And then I end up with the translator, Father Yozo, who is leading kind of our pilgrimage. And I explained, mm-hmm. I go, man, I got this burning desire to serve the Lord, mm-hmm. but I just don't mm-hmm. know how. And she says, do you have a wife? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you don't want to marry me, do you? You know? Yeah, you can't hear me. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> no. So, so she's like, you married? Yeah, I'm married. She goes, you have children? Yeah, I got three. She goes, go home, be St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who's St. Joseph? You know, I mean, I kind of heard of St. Joseph, kind of knew about him a little bit, but I'm like, okay. So yeah. the process of consecrating myself to Our Lady, it was like, now let me introduce you to him. And so I literally, I carved out space in my old attic, mm. made a chapel, and I just started praying. <clears throat> and then it was like I was on download and I'd receive like hmm. kind of like scriptures yep, like, that yep, were yep. inspired that led me to St. Joseph. And then pretty soon I'm like, I need to write a book to myself um, on fatherhood just so I can capture this kind of theological vision of fatherhood, not yep. the witness. And, uh, so, <laughs> so then, and we're going to get there. Love the theology, but the grace is released no, yeah, through right. the person, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so then I write Joseph's way, which was a letter to myself, trying to compare Joseph to the patriarchs and get all these lessons and all yeah. this stuff. Yep. And then what happened was a friend sent the manuscript to a publicist without me knowing, who sent it to Ignatius Press, and Ignatius Press calls me up and says, hey, we want to publish your book. And mm-hmm. I actually said no, because mm-hmm. we had founded a St. Joseph chapter. I thought it was going to be like seven guys, and... I wanted to just give them the book for free, you yeah. know, just so we could study it. And uh, then it just kind of the apostle just grew from there. So, nice. That's so good. Yeah. So yeah. can you can you share, you shared this at lunch. I'm trying to get you here, Devin. <laughs> Jeez, this is really uh, hard yeah. work. You guys are making this tough on me. No. The, you, were, you were sharing about how um, the, the, the vocation of fatherhood is this, if you will, this altar where you get no esteem from man and no glory. And what happens is when a, a man doesn't feel loved and esteemed at home, he'll often try to get that from the world. Or if he has those wounds, he mm-hmm. just wants that affirmation and he goes to the world for it. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. How did you experience that, this process of learning self-giving love and the the way you've radically given your life over to your children as, uh, and and, mm-hmm. and pouring yourself out to them? And even in the, if as you said, the hidden, this hidden life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the first thing I recognized about St. Joseph was that he was hidden. He was secret. In fact, 
in the scripture it says that he wanted to put Mary away privately. That Greek word for privately is lathra, which means secret. So if you look at Joseph's life, everything he did was kind of in secret. Like shrouded in the night, he steals the Holy Way family from Herod who wants to kill them. So he's a very hidden man. And I recognized in me that I didn't want to be hidden. I actually wanted to be exalted. I actually wanted to be glorified. And mm -hmm. so when I moved from the secular world into the Christian world, I just shifted those ideas like, hey, I want prestige and honor. Oh, I'll just move in here and I'll look religious and good and I'll lead this. And, and I'll that. get prestige and, and honor yeah, in get, the Christian world. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> But I went to confession one time and this Hispanic uh, confessor, he says, we Hispanics have a saying, do not become a street lamp in only for your house to go dark. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's what can happen mm -hmm. if I'm mm -hmm. out there but not in there. It's a good word. And, and so the key here is this. It's a both hand. I need to primarily be in my vocation, little, silent, hidden, because mm -hmm. that's the furnace. And mm -hmm. if I'm getting that right, then that spills out into the outer world, into the outer mm -hmm. family. So if I get the domestic church right, if I'm the priest of my family offering sacrifice, because that's what I'm called to do, offer mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. sacrifice of myself for my family, changing the diapers, not lusting after my wife, you know? Um, mm -hmm. you know, just serving them, loving them, leading them, teaching them, whatever it is, getting out of my comfort zone, praying with them, whatever mm -hmm. it is, mm -hmm. taking that, then all of a sudden that furnace of love grows. And I, where I, one area where I've seen it is with Anna Marie, our special needs daughter. So at first I was like, I'm, this is not going to be a burden on my kids. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing all the diaper changing, all the feedings, all this, my wife's participating. And then my oldest daughter sees my wife and I arguing about who's going to change the diaper. Yeah. You know, like usually yep. it's, yep. And it's not like you're changing. No, it's like I'm changing the diaper. <laughs> yeah. You don't know I'm changing the diaper. You know what I'm yeah. And then my oldest daughter sees this and then she starts sneaking down in the morning to get my daughter, my special needs daughter ready for school before we wake up. Mm. And I'm like, holy cow. Mm -hmm. this is this. So the dance of love between a man yep, and yep, woman yep. in marriage, it starts to spill over into the kids. Mm -hmm. And then the kids now, they argue about who's going to feed Anna Marie, mm -hmm. who's going to change the diaper, and they're fighting us on it. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the dance of love, because that's what the Trinity is. You've yeah. got one who is love, one who is mm -hmm. love, and love between them, which is the Holy Spirit. And from that union mm -hmm. comes life, mm -hmm. love, bliss, rapture, ecstasy, power, all that, right? Mm -hmm. God mm -hmm. wants in the family. Distinction, mm -hmm. man and woman, father, son. Unity yeah. in the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. fruitfulness, life. And yep. you get into that dance of intersubjective self-giving mm -hmm. love, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but that gift of self, and people want in on it. Yep. They taste, and we're talking about that in the car. Is that once you move from selfishness and you get beyond that horizon to self gift, mm -hmm. you taste what it's like of receiving when you give, mm -hmm. and you don't want to go back to selfishness. You don't want to go back, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes, that's it's right. abundance of life. It's a, yeah, I love it. As you're sharing this story about your family, it's a outdo one another in showing honor. And mm. when you outdo mm -hmm. one another in showing honor, you want to outdo <laughs> one another in showing <laughs> yeah. honor. And yep. it is that self gift. There is something so freeing and beautiful about it and um, mm -hmm. it's it's where you discover who you are that's mm -hmm. paul saint paul uh, uh saint john paul says yeah where are you gonna say there well there's just so much on my heart i think there's so much of that that's true there's a there's a wrestle that happens in me when we're in conversations like this and the wrestle happens and i'm sure this is something you might have insight in devin is when i look at the great figures of our faith the great fathers of the faith the patriarchs when i look at e even the the later fathers and not not the mm -hmm. early church fathers um i just see a lot of men who chose hidden lives and a lot of men who chose 
all for the greater glory of God, very public lives, who, who actually had that desire for greatness shifted, not diminished, but shifted. I'm not saying you're saying diminished, but I'm just trying to create kind of the dichotomy yeah, that can did. happen sometimes is, um, because I, I just noticed in myself, like when I was growing up, just an, an aspiration to be the greatest I could be at everything. And there was woundedness in that. Mm -hmm. As the Lord has healed that wound, and, and he's, as he has healed a lot of those things that built to that, I've noticed in my myself still a desire for greatness. And, but it's nuanced. The, the greatness at first was almost to um, ensure people understood my identity. Now I know it. I don't need it known by others the way I did then. But I still find that hunger for greatness that I see in Ignatius, that I see in Augustine, that I see in, in these amazing men that are like, I was great in the secular world. I want to be great in the kingdom yeah, realm, right? right? Like, like I was an amazing soldier. I was an amazing intellect. I was an amazing orator. I was an amazing, you name what they were good at. Now I've had a conversion. I'm knowing my identity. I'm still having deserts, but I'm coming out and giving a sermon on the mount. I'm coming mm -hmm. out and, and people are drawn unto the Lord in the way he's chosen to reside in me. I wonder, like, mm. what the interplay there is, right? Because, and, and maybe it's discernment, and maybe it's walking with the Lord. He did give some as apostles and others as teachers and others <clears throat> as pastors, but I do have that wrestle sometimes because I don't want to fall into a false humility that just hides myself for the sake of hiding myself. But I also don't want to fall into a pride that suggests I'm doing this for the Lord when I'm really doing it for yeah, me. I think, you know? Yeah, I think... Uh, That's the wrestle. So, so what's, what's the ultimate um, expression of Christ? It's charity, right? And mm. when we shove our charity in other people's faces, that's not charity, right? Good. Yeah. So blowing trumpets on the street right. corner. But when we express charity, the motivation in our heart may be secret, but let the Lord take care of the consequences. That's so good, Devin. Yeah. So God yeah. is gonna. The, I, a fundamental principle I believe in is: is mm -hmm. glorify God, and God cannot help but to glorify you. It's like the law of gravity, except supernatural. It's huh. like you glorify God. God will glorify you. No questions asked. Mm -hmm. So my focus is not on glorifying me anymore. It can't yeah. be. Now here's the now that's what I want to say is though, be warned. You said I have been healed. Well, yeah. We are being healed. Yeah. Because sure, the problem sure, is sure, that good. Satan is so sneaky. He gets in there and he's like, You've been healed, man. And guess what? You're gonna do all this great stuff for the Lord now. I'm sorry, man, you're such an enemy. And then meanwhile, he's like, Gotcha, because we're doing it for ourselves. We don't even know mm -hmm. it. So we just it, we have to be very sensitive to our motivations. Yeah. Motivations matter. So the interior disposition, disposition of the soul is saying, Lord, what ain't Canaan? This is yeah. a great example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, his mother says they have no wine, so this mm -hmm, is done in mm -hmm. secret. No one knows. Jesus then tells the servants, no one knows. They then are commanded to take the water, which had now turned wine, and this is the key. Mm -hmm. The chief steward of the feast says, it says, without knowing from whence it came. Yeah. Jesus yeah. performed the miracle in secret. Yeah. So yeah, get sure. this. This is so cool. Mm -hmm. He does it with the motivation of hiddenness, mm -hmm. and then God glorifies him to where we all know about it forever mm -hmm. and ever and mm -hmm. ever. <laughs> John. Okay. Yeah. That's how the Lord loves to work. Yeah. But see, the thing is, is what we're looking at in this is one-on-one, -on -one, no one is ever, I mean, I'm not worried about exalting myself one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. It's when mm -hmm. I start to think about big numbers, and when I start to think about big visions, then I start to see myself as this conduit for God's mm -hmm. grace for mm -hmm. these big missions. Mm -hmm. No, we need to be thinking about the one and then yeah. we remain mm -hmm. humble. We start to think too much about ourselves involving the masses, mm -hmm. which is good from a visionary perspective, yeah. but we can become prideful. Yep, yep. So it's all about reaching the one person with charity. That's good. 
Can I can I, I ask you? Can I ask you? I want to get specific on the one area. Oh well, there's a few areas. Maybe you have a question too. But I was yeah. wondering on like, what's your fear? So, um, maybe not fear. I don't want I don't want to claim it as that. But when you <laughs> when you hear the when you hear the like, I've been healed here. Shifting that perspective to I'm healing here, like it it seems like there's a. Uh, I, I guess what I'm wondering is, do you fear that if someone buys into that they're healed and they're actually healing, they can become complacent in a way where the enemy wins? Okay, yeah, let me qualify it. Yeah. We can be healed. There's no doubt. Sure. Um, however, healing from wounds mm. takes a lifetime, yeah, sure. especially if they're very deep. Sure. So a lot of times we can think we're healed. Like, for example, I, I, I tackled a guy on end zone line. My sure. own teammate came in, cracked my ankle, busted yeah. into pieces. So I'd have reconstructive surgery. Surgery healed it. Mm -hmm. I had a plate, had to take the plate out. Now arthritis sets in. Got I'm healed, but the wound resurfaces somehow, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how God works. And Bob Schutz is great yep. at this. Yep. He yep. says that in the areas where we're wounded in our life, we receive healing. But how does God do it? He brings us back to those yes, areas yeah, of, of wound so that we have to have mm -hmm. more healing because mm -hmm. God mm -hmm. wants to perfect us. Good. So I'm saying Good. maybe you are that's healed perfect. completely. No, no, no. Yeah, I don't feel an accusation on it. It's just no, like, because yes. that there is a nuance there that I think you're playing in well, right? That like, we do need to be, we we do need to recognize that God as healer, his aim for us is wholeness and healing, which is what you're saying. But we also need to recognize there's a process yeah, that we're in and going through. I think it's neat. I mean, I, going back to kind of, if I'm summarizing what you two are saying, so there is Jesus, um, there was an element of Jesus's life that was not hidden, <laughs> right? Uh, the, transfig so, the transfiguration. Yeah, a, thank, thank God, right? Yes. Like, that we know the gospel. The incarnation. Um, and, but it, it is very interesting. So he, St. Joseph, models the hidden life for his son who lives the hidden life for 30 years and then lives three years from the hidden life. And I think there's, there is that element of like, okay, so there's, there's value and there's dignity and there's something uniquely um, critical to the spiritual life that takes place in the hiddenness that mm -hmm. uh, as, as a father or as a mother, um, I, I am laying my life down day after day, mm -hmm. moment after moment, action after action with no praise of man. And there's no hope for praise of man. Right. I'm laying my, it, it is just mm -hmm. pure self gift for the sake of the other, which, um, would, would be the, the ultimate self gift, right. That I give myself for you expecting nothing in return, which is why marriage is and, and fatherhood and motherhood is such a sacred call because mm -hmm. there is no, when that child is fully dependent on you, there is no way they can return gift mm -hmm. to you. So it mm -hmm. truly is just a one way <laughs> gift. And, um, and so what, I guess transitioning to the fathers of St. Joseph. So you start living the spirituality of, of St. Joseph and why I love, um, your your book is it called Lead or is it yeah, called the Fathers lead. of yeah, yeah there's, well, there's there's, there's several books there's Custos Lead um, hmm. yeah okay so the, um, and you have essentially the Fathers of Saint Joseph which it teaches men the the spirituality of Saint Joseph right and mm -hmm. why I love Devin your your work in ministry is because I feel like there's so many apostles out there, so many speakers out there, so many thought leaders out there who are just teaching, right? And they're teaching this idea and this theology. But I, I really feel like in your works, you've you've laid out the spiritual life of mm -hmm. St. Joseph. And what instead of teaching 
the theology of St. Joseph or you're teaching the, the spirituality of St. Joseph. Way and, of life. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and that it's ultimately, and we, we live in this world where even the good men, right, and, and there's probably, sadly, there's not a ton of good men, but the good men who want to be good fathers, uh, what I find is they often are like, but how? They like they just don't mm-hmm. like, I, I want... Yeah. What do I do? And I, I think you, what you do in your ministry is you teach people the how. How how do I live fatherhood well? Can you lay out a little bit of some of the insights that St. Joseph and the Holy Spirit have revealed to you on how to live the spirit, spirituality of fatherhood? Yeah, so basically the spirituality of St. Joseph is established on four pillars, but basically like five principles. First is embracing your vocation, seeing as primary and seeing that that's where your self-gift is going to be primary and that you got to get that right at some level before evangelizing the world. It's a both hands, mm-hmm. but we got to get that right because yep. otherwise we're going to seek validation, honors, and everything outside the world instead of that. Faithfulness in the small things. So if yeah, the Lord's going to give go. you great things, be faithful in the small. Yep. Yep. So it's that's a good. vocational path. And so just like Joseph received his call to greatness through the Blessed Virgin Mary, it is mm. through our marriage that we receive our fatherhood. It's through our marriage that we become bridegroom, symbols of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Okay, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then after that, there's four pillars. Embrace silence, because that's what Joseph did all the time. He embraced silence. Then he embraced woman, that was Mary. And then he embraced the child, that's Jesus. And he embraces charitable authority, which is a swear word <laughs> right now. It's yeah. like totally, in, in, you know, yeah, incorrect yeah. politically. Yeah. But um, so those are the four pillars, okay? And so how we pray is how we believe, and how we believe is how we act. And how we act is mm-hmm. determines the fate of the world, really. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it all begins in silence and in prayer. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we can live out our vocation, embracing woman, which mm-hmm. has a lot to that. Yeah. And then embracing our charitable authority and then embracing the child. That's amazing. That so, amazing. And it's so simple, right? So if, if we think through the lens of, I want to live my life as a godly man, a godly mm-hmm. father, a godly husband, it, it first starts in embracing silence. And actually, I think that may be one of the enemy's greatest assaults on man yeah. of like, it, I mean, it, 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 I think some minds are just mm-hmm. special so they can remember stats very easy. My mind doesn't think that way. But sometimes I'm like, man, you you have so many like sports stats in your mind. <laughs> like you spend yeah. time getting all those sports stats in your mind. Why? Like, why did you spend mm-hmm. like sure, uh, sure. like what what was the value in that? Yeah. Right. And yeah, sure. uh, and maybe they're just like they're able to listen to something and it sticks with them and I, it doesn't with me. But mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Um, but like. I want I what am I what am I doing with my time and I mm-hmm. think and how much time am I spending in silence and even uh, like God save us from uh, too much Catholic media uh, and, and, like the like this is a good show right like uh, <laughs> hopefully you're being edified by it but if all you do is listen to Christian music and, and Catholic theology all the time and you're not spending time in the silence yeah. you're off like yeah, the, yeah. the classroom of silence is more rich than mm-hmm. the classroom of podcasts it's yeah. it, it's got to be both and but the, the there's something about the silence right mm-hmm. and so w- I, I haven't asked you this question, and so I'm excited because uh, I'm intrigued because I think your lifestyle is what's most important to teach people. Uh, what is your prayer life like? How do you wow. how do you engage the Lord in prayer? Yeah. So um, the first thing I do is I roll off the bed or whatever onto the floor and just face down, just submit everything to God. That Every morning, to Abba, Father. That's yeah. sweet. Yeah. Come so on, that's that the, is that's sweet. First thing, but it, so I believe theology by that the body expresses the person, right? Of course. So my soul needs to be expressed bodily. So I'm I'm pressing down and I'm just giving it all to the Lord. But then I get up and then 
the goal is that St. Francis de Sales says with working men mm -hmm. that um, they are to give the first hour, half an hour of the day to the Lord because they will never get it back later on, mm -hmm. usually. Mm -hmm. So um, I try to spend an hour with the Lord in the morning, um, you know, silence, a lot of silence, prayer, but it's a bouncing back and forth between scriptures or meditating on a sure. mystery of the rosary and or whatever it is, the divine office. But but mm. it's not like rote, you know, it's not, mm -hmm. I'm, I, I do it uh, intentionally yeah, yeah. To, as a launching pad into conversation. Mm -hmm. But a big part of it is just listening and waiting and trying to discern the voice of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And adoration every day is a big, big uh, staple for me. And then mass, God willing, every day, but it's become harder since we live in the country now. But um, those things, you know, praying with my family yeah. every day. Um, so I'm not going to give you my whole prayer routine. No, yeah, that's daily. okay. Yeah. But, uh, no, that's but the, big, the big one I would say is if you can get that first hour with yeah. the Lord yep. and sacrifice a sleep, because this is where the devil gets us. The devil gets us with our sleep because he knows that that time in the morning, no one can intrude it. You yeah. won't get the calls, the emails and everything until the day starts ramping yep. up. That time is so precious. And when you seek ye first... The kingdom, the kingdom of God, of God and, his righteousness. and all these things will be granted to you besides the Lord is talking about the first fruits of your day. Yeah. yeah. You give him the first fruits of your day, you yeah. let him in and you really converse with him and you let him behind those wounds mm -hmm. and that facade mm -hmm. and you start to talk about what's going on, listen to what he's saying to you, man, your life will be great. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's yep. all on that foundation. But if you don't have that foundation of silence, yep. and this is the other thing, who's smarter? We are God. Who's more beautiful? We are God, right? <laughs> Who, who's more wise? Yeah, God. So why are we doing all the talking? Right. Yep. yep. Amen. Speech is silver, silence is golden. <laughs> that like there is something yeah, there to that. And that, that. that was just a simple saying that a, a priest in my hometown used I to like say. That. And it very simple-minded guy, like just but would mm. always go there. And I remember wrestling with that even up till like a few years ago, you know, because really I do think that. Uh, upon conversion, a lot of times we as men can be so do oriented because oh, it's like, yeah, let's go do it, you mm -hmm. know. And uh, it, it has been interesting to kind of like fall into the wisdom of that statement over I, time. I love that though because uh, Saint Joseph, it's after after he was in the silence and he received the message of the Lord, then Joseph rose mm -hmm. and did. He's a yeah. doer yeah. what the angel of the Lord commanded him. Mm. And Saint John Paul II talks about Joseph as a doer. Mary was like the receiver; Joseph was the doer. And, sure, the, and he says, sure. this is the beginning. Joseph's yeah. doing is the beginning mm -hmm. of Joseph's call to greatness. That's yes. what Joseph's way. So the key That's is good. it's a both end. Yes. Silence, do. Ha has to be. Has yeah. to be. Because yep. one has to flow to the other. Encounter has to lead to mission, right? Amen. Yeah. And we have, a, we have a lot of young adults that listen to this show. So I, I want to ask you a question uh, that, that I wrestle with a lot with working with young adults. And that is a question of discernment. So hmm. I think that I love what you're saying about vocation. One thing I've recognized in walking with young adults is that we've obsessed over vocation. We've almost not made it about Jesus anymore, mm. that he's the means to the end that is vocation instead mm -hmm. of vocation like being that. the means to that's the really end that's good. Jesus. And I really do think that's taking root in the young adults in the church yep. today is I'd rather have a wife than Jesus. I'd rather have a mm. husband than mm. Jesus. Mm. He's simply the, the rat. He's like my vending machine whereby mm. I get that. I mm. wonder... Mm. Well, Joseph, but it's not even that. It's, go for it's, it. Once they have that, then they just they build their comfort kingdom, yeah. and they're living in a comfort kingdom, and they simply say, well, I'm, I'm living my primary yeah. vocation. So yeah. But your primary vocation is not comfort kingdom, That's right? Good. And That's so good. if good. you're Bilbo Baggins, and you're just yeah. you're, you're in your kingdom with your wife and children, yeah. but there's nothing about you that's pouring out even, e yeah. either to them and into the world that... 
that it's not a like the, your voca- your primary vocation is not yes. making sure your blinds are beautiful. Yeah. Your yeah. primary vocation <laughs> is not good. making that's sure good. your good. yard is as green as anyone else's oh, in the neighborhood. Good, Dan. And yeah. so yeah. don't confuse <laughs> the worldliness of marriage yes, and yes, keeping yes, up with the yes. Joneses with your primary so vocation. That's where I want to go. It's with the changing the diapers yeah. of your twenty-year-old child. No, that's with, right. With, with, with special no, needs, that, that's a vocation. No, it is. Right. And that's holiness. And that builds, The green lawn is not. No, that builds on what I'm oh, saying. Dang. So, yeah, so it would be it'd be both and, right? So I see, I think, just to paraphrase and to put our thoughts together on that, I think it's, I see it start in discernment and live into marriage. So it starts with, Jesus, just give me a husband or a wife because that's what I want. So I'm the end. He's not the end. I am. My, my want is the end. Then when you give me that, hey, thank you so much. Let's celebrate together and let's build this little comfort kingdom together. Yeah. I, I think St. Joseph is the antithesis to seeing vocation that way because the vocation from the beginning was sacrificial. Yeah, from, from, from the very beginning of his call to the Virgin Mary, yes. there is a call to heroic chastity. And I even see this in men in the church today is like, and man, I have a lust problem. I'm going to get married because, you know, St. Paul says, if you're burning for lust, it's better to get married than to not. It's like, well, have you ever really loved your wife once in been your marriage? Paul's best advice yes. in scripture. <laughs> but, but again, but I know another word, good one. No, so I've actually looked up a lot of the context around that. It's because Paul thought Jesus was coming back so quickly. Yeah, He's yeah. like, let's just stay in grace. Yeah. Okay. Let's avoid sin at all costs. So there's, we could talk about that yeah, Bible and wow, Bible verse huge. on an entire episode, yeah. but and we will the, the join question. us for <laughs> next week. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm like I'm I'm I think belaboring the point. I love but it. The question that I want to ask yeah. is like when you look at Saint Joseph and the way that he approached vocation, I think that's important to how you're teaching vocation because I think some people could listen to our podcast today and say, "See, I knew it was vocation. I'm going to keep focusing on my family." Like. Um, I'll give one little thing and I want to hear you is like when, when Nina and I, my, my wife now, uh, when we started dating, I remember the advice was like, well, you only date for a little while. So focus on each other for a little bit, you know, because you only get that for a little while. Then we got engaged and it was like, well, focus on each other for a little bit because you'll, you'll never get those, that time back. Oh, your first two years of marriage. That's a really special time. Focus on each other for a little while. We haven't had kids just yet, but I'm presuming the next (laughs) word of advice is, Hey, you're never going to get that first kid back. So focus on each other for a little while, you know? And then by the time you know it, you're 60 years old and all you've done is focus on each other for a little while. And St. Joseph, I think the entire time Mm. had that picture that Jesus was going to do something amazing and that he was called to love Mary and Jesus, but also, also like serve the, the greater vision of God through his life outside that. Anyway, I wonder what you would think about the way he approached vocation, because again, I, I can almost be um, quick to reserve myself from vocational conversation because I think it's become an idol. Yeah, yeah. But I would mm-hmm. love to hear what you think. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a, that? that's a great question. It's a tough question. I think Joseph's response is really key to it all, is that um, as St. Bernard, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Augustine say, when he discovered Mary pregnant without his cooperation, it wasn't that he suspected Mary of adultery, and we can get it. I'm going to talk about yeah, that tonight sure. a little bit. But it's like Peter's response: "Depart from me, from a sinful man." Oh, I can't he, do this. He did not think I... he was worthy. Yeah. And I think that when we approach vocation, whether it's marriage, the priesthood, or consecrated sure, single sure. life, whatever that vocation is, it's Lord, depart from me because I'm not worthy. And and mm. I think that you'll find the greatest leaders are those who didn't sign up for the job. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I notice that all the time. There's these people who are just like plucked out, you, you, God picks them, but they weren't like, and uh, St. Augustine comments on us, I just read a homily where the Lord is like, he's like, Lord, I'll go wherever you go. And he says, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place 
to lay his head. And you're like, okay, what's that mean? And, and Augustine says that that guy, he was like a fox and mm-hmm. he was so excited to serve the Lord that it was a, he was, he was mm-hmm. beguiling foxes, mm-hmm. clever. And his, he was like a nest up in the air because he's self-exaltation. Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes we seek after, like you're saying, yep. vocation is a trophy of self-exaltation or beguiling, what can I get out yes, of it? Yes, yes. Whereas Joseph is like, not what I can get out of it, but man, do I have enough to give? Good. And so whatever vocation you are looking at, it's like, do I have enough? Yes, you do with the Lord, but do I have enough to give? And when you approach the Lord that way, Lord, I'm really not worthy of marriage. I'm not worthy of the priesthood. I'm not worthy of the consecrated life being a sister, whatever it is, you approach it, you put that in the Lord's hands, he's going, I'm going to make yeah. you worthy. Yeah. yeah. And you probably know that, but the only other place that verb's found where it says that the Son of Man has no place to rest his head, that verb is only used one other time in the Gospels. It's used when Jesus bows his head and breathes his last. Be- nice. Because nice. the way, where you find it is where you lay your life down. But You said something interesting when we were talking earlier, Devin, about why our ministry is growing so fast. So we have uh, just... Uh, with Catholic Youth Summer Camp, we just have um, this massive explosive growth. And I think there's there's a lot of parents who, uh, of our campers who are good and faithful parents who send their kids and they're praying every day as a family. They're raising their children in virtue. And, and, and what they're finding at Catholic Youth Summer Camp is that faith awakening moment so that it's that it's a tag team approach that um, while everything is, is in order and healthy at home. There also is that witness that they find from a, a second authority that awakens the faith uh, in their child, which is such a gift. But you mentioned that it's also that, um, what do you want to share? Do you remember yeah, what go, it was? No, go ahead. You just shared that there's, that there's fathers have the responsibility to form their children and priests have the responsibility to form the children, mm. and they don't want to do it. And so they're just passing them on to us to try to do it. And mm. do you want to speak a little bit into that? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I really believe back to the Malachi chapter 4, verse 6 scripture, and then also, you know, the turning the hearts of the fathers to their children, that idea. Mm-hmm. God's plan is for society go by the way of the family, because the family is the icon of the Trinity, that Trinitarian love, and the family goes by the way of the father. So if a father really loves his wife properly, if he lays down his life, if he assumes mm-hmm. his charitable authority, mm-hmm. right, that domestic church is going to become an icon of Trinity that just spills over not only his own family, his neighbors, his parish, etc. The problem we have today is that, sorry, guys out there, but we're so distracted. We have so many responsibilities. We're so beaten down by the world. We don't think that we have any, we really don't have any confidence that we're given up on the spiritual life. And so we say, well, you know what? I don't have enough time for that. That's kind of secondary anyway. I've got to make a living. So guess what? Father so-and-so can do it. The mm-hmm. CCD program can do that. And mom all the while is saying, gosh, we really got to do this. And so then she sees something like the mask. And she's like, this is the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Or youth group, that's the answer. Youth group hasn't worked. We tried that for 40 years. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about this. It's like a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. Yep. What you're doing is working. It's working really well. However, we got to get to dads too. Because, yeah. because the problem is that's a gaping hole in society, and this can do good, but it can only sustain it so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The ship is tanking if dads don't get involved. Well, and, w- and when kid has faith awakening, all they want to go home to is, is, is a dad who's going to like, yeah. be able to and take that and run with it. Yeah, exactly. Like, how did you encounter Jesus? Like, how did the Father mm-hmm. speak to you? So how, like, this. let's go to Mass on Sunday. This is amazing because they gain what they taste is perhaps the Lord's approval and being chosen by him at your Mm -hmm. camp. And then they go into this dynamic and they're saying, look at this dad. And the dad as the image of the father doesn't approve it. 
mm. or ignores it next. Oh, that's nice. Or Sally just doesn't even just, understand yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. And so what does that kid do with all that? It's like, oh my gosh, I just had this experience where I feel chosen. I feel approved, but it's not meshing with the fact that I'm not approved. Yeah, I'm yeah. not chosen. And this decision is not either. And so this, this is, you know, you go back, go back through history, world war two, world war one, how mm-hmm, men mm-hmm, have just become mm-hmm, numb and mm-hmm, callous yeah. and cold and, and all this radical feminism, you could go down the line with all this, but mm-hmm. the men are wounded. Yep. And if we don't get the men back, we're not getting the families back. If we don't get families back, we're not going to get the church back. Yep. If we don't get the church, we're not going to convert yeah. the yeah. world. Well, yep. What would our mm-hmm. ministry look like if all of the kids had fathers that would bless in that way? We, we could teach the Gospels differently. You could go further, faster. There's no question, because I think apostolates will always have a place in the church. I think that those apostolates should always be supplemental to yep. the life that you're talking yep. about. It just it, it kind of, though, is great, though, because now you have the answer to the Achilles heel, which is the father wound. So mm-hmm. it's almost reversed. Now that's where you can apply your energy with the youth, is like most of them. Yeah. Right? It's like, look, yeah. you're looking for the love of God the Father, yep. and we know that this is what you're yearning for, and yeah. probably don't have it. Well, and what's so powerful is it's not the, it's not even that we are providing the love of the Father, it's that we are teaching them how to pray so that they hear yeah, the voice go. of the Father. And that's that's the radical. It, it used to be in our early years of mm-hmm, ministry, like mm-hmm, 2003, mm-hmm. four, five. Campers would come on stage, and it was, and it felt so good, right? It felt so good. <laughs> I'd be, I was the young Dan. The campers would come on stage and be like, "Oh my gosh, I just encountered Jesus when Dan was talking to me, <laughs> or I encountered Jesus when yeah, Amber yeah. gave me that hug, and I encountered because they were so starved for the Father's yeah. love, and they were encountering the Father's love mm-hmm. in us. It, it." I love it because we get thousands of campers now and we don't hear that in their testimonies almost ever. It's, I encountered the love of Jesus when the Eucharist came in. I encountered the love of Jesus when, mm-hmm. when I heard the Father speak to me in prayer, that they, they're encountering God through God, yeah, right. <laughs> as opposed to encountering God through broken vessels. And, and mm-hmm. that it, it is, there is one answer to mm-hmm. that father wound is that we can be the, we can be the love that they so de- desperately need. But he, I think the magic that's happening here is there are no superstars. It's simply mm-hmm. all of us mm-hmm. pointing, like lifting Oriented. Jesus high mm-hmm. and it's all sacramental. It's the mass and mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it's adoration, it's worship. And then, fundamentally teaching them how to hear the voice of the Father. And all of that, it's like the heavens open, and they hear, this is my beloved child with whom I'm well pleased. Mm-hmm. And the critical moment when they get picked up from camp, that's what, as you said, that's what they're longing for from their parent. They want to hear their dad. It doesn't matter if you understand their experience, if you have all the answers to the faith. All they want to hear is, you're my beloved child with whom I'm well pleased. It's that's not a theological you don't need to know everything. <laughs> that is a love statement. It's a love statement. And that's what the child needs. But even that comes from a, a wound, right? We feel like we have to know everything. Yeah. One one of the fallen elements of man in the 21st century is that we're not fascinated anymore. Mm. We're not fascinated. Like I should be fascinated by that child. Mm-hmm. Something changed about you. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. But I get so wrapped up in my own woundedness and my own busyness and my own exhaustion that I'm not fascinated. I could find a better answer on Google. I can disprove your experience on Google in 30 seconds. It's like, I guess, maybe, kind of, but to be fascinated with what's happening in front of me, 
like yeah. to be just fascinated. Like e even if it is a young person with not the best language around what they experienced, even if they don't know how to conceptualize what they experienced, even if it's outside of what they experienced and they got so excited that they added a couple things to it. It's like, I should be fascinated by that. Yeah. So, so back based on just what you both have brought to the table there, there's a big difference between accepting your child and choosing your child. Yeah. So I can accept my child. I can like live with my child. Hey, you know, cereals in the cupboard. Like you a know, coexistence. Yeah, yeah, we can coexist. And how would you like it if that's what God did to you? You show up, pearly gates. Jesus says, "Come on in." Hey, remotes on the table, Netflix yeah. on demand, beers in the. We'll kind of be around. Peter, James, and John, and I, we're going down to the pub. Yeah, yeah. Sleep tight. Good luck. You're like, wait a minute. I want to be chosen, right? Yeah. And and that's what a kid wants. A kid doesn't want us to walk by them and say, "Hey, you got school day? Okay, great." No, the kid wants us. Whether they like it or not, they deep down want this. They want us to sit down, look, stop, yes. look, and listen. Yes. And because that's what we want from God. Yep. And when you stop, look, and listen, mm -hmm. you're fascinated. When yep. you stop, look, and listen, you answer the call of the heart, and it's super simple. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. Right. You don't have to know anything. Yep. All you have to do is know that this person is the most important person in my presence right now. Yeah. And I tell you, this has made all the difference in my life with my children. Yep. Stop, look, and listen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's that simple. Probably yeah. with your marriage, with your oh wife, right? Yeah. Because they're, they're in my wires crossed. No, well, they're, but that's an inexhaustible mystery, too. Oh, it's it like, is like, because well, well, even like, but the people here, like, I just do think that, like, you mentioned phones earlier, Dan. And again, I don't want to demonize all technology because I think we can use it in evangelistic purposes. That being said, it is important for us to recognize where our attention is being diverted. Yep. Because I, like, Dan and Devin, in this conversation, you guys know so much more than I do in so many areas. Okay. Like in so many areas. And it's, and it's real. No, go along there's with a, that. It's yeah. true. There's, it's true. No, We're way smarter. I'm like, wait, is, but that, the moment, is, that, is that false? But, yeah. the, but, but no, but the moment... I'm sniffing it out. <laughs> no, no, no. Seriously, though, but the moment that I step to the plate and think that I am I only need to give here and and not receive in the true sense of receiving. Like as a father, I'm receiving from my children to the degree that I give. That's the mystery of it, right? That when I give my presence and my attention to this conversation, I walk away better. And the key though is is when we give and we don't receive back. And that's Christ on the cross. Like all of his followers gone. Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah several yeah, women yeah. at the foot, one guy who's a follower, he's getting nothing back. Yes. It and so that's fatherhood. Yeah, and he only gets it back in eternity, right? Because he, yeah. he gets you and me sa that's, saved. That's marriage. Long term. That's marriage. Yes. You're not getting anything back in this moment. Immediately. I'm in it, I'm in right. it for the long no, haul. No, right. And, and, when, and this, I believe this. Hmm. When a wife understands that her husband is willing to sacrifice himself, his arrogance, his demeaning comments, hmm. the fact that he's always right, whatever yeah, it is, right. in that moment. Save us, Lord. Yeah. She is going to ultimately respond to that sacrificial love. Sacrificial love wins the day every day. It begets... Yeah. Itself yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. I, I, one of the things you mentioned, the difference between acceptance and chosen, and I think this is um, Jesus chose, yeah, that moment of come follow me, so important. And he saw the destiny of Peter when Peter didn't see his own destiny. And uh, like getting on our knees and actually praying for our own wife and children, like, Father, show me my ch my son's destiny. Show me my daughter's destiny. And it's so that that the father actually has this role to almost call out the destiny within the child, that when the child is not measuring up to the father's greatness inside of them, to challenge them and to correct them, the discipline comes forth from that. that I mean, like when I discipline my son, it's not like mm. you messed up. It's like, like Giovanni, I, I know who you're called to be and this isn't who you're called to be that when you see their destiny and help them see it, 
with them. It's that that moment of calling them. Yeah, into the, the father reproves who he loves. Yeah. Yeah. but he loves. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the primary there is loves. He reproves yeah. who he loves. Yeah, let's uh, simplify. You know, we think about your kid's destiny. Like for me, that'd be like really hard to. You know, like I'd seek the father's face and wonder. Okay, but I think that Jesus says, "Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me." So the key is, is if I receive my child as though they're Christ, mm-hmm. and I see see that they're not just this kid. They're going to be in full maturity as Christ, mm, okay? Yeah. When I receive a child as Christ, that child is going to be more likely to receive Christ himself. Yeah, amen. That's so that's the key. Word. So the key mm-hmm. is all receive about receptivity yep. and choosing, and then I've got a one-up, because my kid's love tank is full, and my kid's saying, man, my dad gets on his knees, and he worships someone bigger than him. Mm-hmm. I want to know who that is, because my dad is cool. Yep. My dad loves me. My tank is full. I want to be even fuller. Yep. Yeah. I want to do great things. The confidence comes from that kind of fatherly love. Yeah, yeah. He, so a father, he gives his child competence and confidence. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know? That's confidence awesome. Agreed. Confidence. All right. So sadly, we have to wrap up. Um, the so just to kind of summarize, because I think the spirituality of Saint Joseph is so valuable that you mentioned it's embracing silence, embracing woman, embracing the child, and embracing charitable authority. And um, if they if the listeners of today's podcast want to learn more about that and to read your works in the spirituality of St. Joseph. How can they find it? Uh, Fathersofstjoseph.org. So fathersofstjoseph.org. Awesome. Fathersofstjoseph.org. You heard it here. I really encourage it. It's some of the, the best men's ministry I've ever seen. Do you recommend it for women as well? Um, you believe it or not, uh, priests give out "Show Us the Father." Uh, it's a popular style book to women in the confessional to deal with the father wound. So, okay, yeah. So that one is that be, another one of your books? Yeah, "Show Us yeah, the Father." Yes, P- bishops have been handing out to dads um, mm-hmm. like in bulk. Yes, yeah, "Show Us the know, Father." Well, he, if, if you've seen me, yeah, you've seen exactly. the Father. Yeah, nice. Praise yeah. the Lord. Um, Devin, this has been a great conversation. So this is our first ever Beyond Damascus speaker series. So we brought Devin here. He's going to preach to our uh, community. Well, we've had speaker series, but in the You're past, scaring me. but we we've now we've we've rebranded it to Beyond Damascus speaker series. And okay. so, uh, but the tonight you're going to be speaking about Saint Joseph, the Terror of Demons, which mm-hmm. is just really exciting. And so um, we'll be posting that as well later. So feel free if you've enjoyed this episode, check out uh, the content we put out from the speaker series tonight. Uh, now Devin is scared and nervous, so that's going <laughs> to be exciting. Demons, yeah, It's getting it's getting wild tonight. So, uh, so join us uh, on, on on that episode as well. You've been listening to Beyond Damascus, a show where encounter meets mission. I want to challenge you not just to consume our content and uh, but to share our content. That we want you to be able. If this episode blessed you, think of a man in your life that would be blessed mm-hmm. by this episode, um, and, and especially men, if you're listening right now share it with another man right because we all know the moms are going to share it with their husbands right but but there's something powerful about a man sharing it with a man and so i really want to encourage you uh to do that not so that we get more views not so that we get more likes but so that we change more lives and Mm -hmm. you're called to be a part of that Mm -hmm. uh join us next week on beyond damascus god bless